What is up, guys? We've got another episode of the Hashtag Sweat Local CLT Podcast. I'm Stu. I'm Isaac. I'm Deuce. And we have no guests this time. We are not talking with anybody interesting, um, <laughs> unless you happen to think Isaac and Deuce <laughs> okay. and my, right? myself Rude. are interesting. I think we're the most interesting. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So we are today what we're going to break down. We did a podcast, uh, Juicy Deucey and I did a podcast a little bit back on a blog post we did on how to prioritize the workouts based on strength. Yeah. Today, we're going to talk about how to prioritize your lift and move workouts based on conditioning. Now, when I wrote this blog post in whatever that was that we published this, the first thing I, I wanted to make sure was to delineate between the overutilized term of cardio and then the term conditioning. Like just in general terms, I think when we're talking, to, I think like cardio, everyone just the reason from a marketing perspective, everyone just says like when they're doing something where they sweat, I want my cardio, right? That's just like a generalized term. And I, I think what we do in here is just so much more than that. So let's talk a little bit the differences between the two. Uh, in the, the article, guys, we gave like kind of a, a real quick definition. Cardio is a singular track effort, like going for a run or getting on your bike or going for a swim, whatever it may be, with the goal of just elevating your heart rate for an extended period of time. We all can picture that person on the rail trail looking at their watch, keep an eye on the heart rate. And then conditioning is a multidimensional workout utilizing cardio and resistance training in which the workout is designed to elevate and decrease and elevate and decrease that heart rate strategically throughout the workout. When you guys think about the differences between the two, like someone were to ask you, what do you guys do? You guys do cardio. So like Isaac, someone is you're texting with them. They're coming in to try out the class and they're like, so do you guys do like a lot of cardio? Like, how do you think of that response? Yeah. I mean, I'm, I, in that situation, I'm not going to go into the big differences. Like I'm not going to go into, well, let me explain how cardio is this. And then conditioning is multidimensional. Cause you're in a text message. You're yeah. trying to get them so to come I, and try my, it out. Yeah. My answer there is going to be like, yeah. And all of our classes, our classes are called lift and move because you're going to, get strength work in and, and I use the word conditioning in my response. When they say, do you do cardio? I talk about their conditioning. Yeah. So in that, cause I think that most people think of them as interchangeable. Yeah. No, yeah. So when they yeah, say definitely. I need to improve my cardio, they mean I need to improve my conditioning. When you think of, when you're thinking of it in a creating the workouts scenario, what are you thinking of? Like, how do you think of the differences between those two as it relates to the final product that's, that they're doing at the end, you know, in a workout? Uh, so for me, I mean, the beauty of what we do here is you can make it your own. So just like last time we talked about how to make any workout more strength biased, we can do the same thing with these. Um, so the beauty is that when I program these, I just have to make sure I pick right numbers as far as calories go or whatever those other movements are that is not the barbell. When you say calories, you're talking like the metric on yeah, the yeah, yeah. right? Yeah, so like the number of calories, whatever. right? Or just the average duration that I think an average human being would be on there for. Um, and that way it can just play to both ends, whether you want to go more of a conditioning bias um, and push that pace just a little bit more, or maybe we're taking our time a little bit, but it's still long enough to where, hey, I can recover and then I can get back to that barbell and I can hit those heavy sets. When I think about it, and I, you mimic that really well, it's like, I've gone and taken hit classes at other studios where I am on an, a, a, a treadmill or an erg or whatever for a very extended period of time, like a six-minute interval. I've gone to studios here in Charlotte and taken workouts, and I literally was on the treadmill for six minutes straight just running. That is cardio. 
you know, and, and I was just there and it was, you know, I was rocking out to the music and trying not to have a seizure due to the colored lights. And I, it was just cardio. And then they got me off there and then I was doing some resistance training and it felt like the traditional old gym days of the past where I would go into the gym, I'd lift my weights in solidarity. And then I would maybe, if I felt like it, make my way to a cardio machine at the end. And Five minutes. Correct. And <laughs> I, I think that's the beauty what you do with the workouts here is that, you know, you're on that erg and the fact that all of our ergs are self-powered. So it's not a treadmill. You literally have to put the power mm -hmm. to yeah. all these pieces of equipment. So there is a resistance element to it. And, and then you're right back on the floor for something that might be more strength-based or something that might be more condi conditioning-based. And for those of you guys, when you're trying to explain the workouts here, what we do at our movement, it truly is conditioning because of the fluctuation back and forth. And the fact that you could be doing the resistance training and based on the weight you choose, it feels very cardiovascularly taxing because you've opted to go into a lighter weight, which kind of leads into the next way when you really want to, you know, when you want to hack these workouts, the very simple way to do it. And I, I like the way I always, always you know, tell people in classes, choose a weight that you can perform X amount of reps with unbroken and unbroken, meaning without having to set that barbell down to rest. What do you guys, when, what do you see most people opting into? Do you think more people are opting into doing this for strength bias in their workouts or looking for more of a conditioning bias in their workout? Ooh, so my answer is going to be people are going to say they want to do more strength, that they're, I'm here to get stronger. But when I give them the option of you can break the these reps up, they still err on the lighter side of the barbell. I like when it's yeah. like there's 10 reps, if you want to go strength, you don't have to do all 10 in a row, they'll still end up choosing a weight that they can hit all 10 in a row. So I think that a lot of people say they want to be doing strength focused, but end up sticking with more conditioning focus. Is it, do you, why is that? Do you think? I think people are scared of heavy weights. And also it's this idea when they see the number on the board, no matter how many times we say you like, we had 20 thrusters the other day, you don't have to do all 20 in a row. It's still, well, I see the number 20, so I have to hit 20. Sure. You know, that's what I think. What do you think? Um, I wouldn't say that they're doing it wrong or you know, Fair. whatever. They, they're getting a great um, workout. I was going to say maybe, that most people, yeah. I and the way I see it is most people tend to go more of a conditioning route, whether okay. they know it or not. Right. No, I definitely agree um, there. Yeah. But, yeah, I mean, I think that's a big thing is, like, obviously this, this episode is about conditioning. Mm -hmm. But if you're listening to this and you're like, oh, I want to get stronger – then put some heavier weight on the barbell. Don't right. be afraid to break up the sets. Right. It's and okay. there's also, we're still in a group scenario where we talk about how everybody, you know, it, it's your workout, you do it, but we're still in a group scenario where it is that mental game of like, but that person is done and I'm not done yet. Right. So one thing I think that you guys both, you know, hit on inadvertently is people, I think they want strength, but they don't understand what actual like a strength workout actually feels like but we all have some element of knowing what a conditioning workout feels like mm -hmm. we know what it feels like when our lungs are on fire and we have to catch our breath <sighs> that kind of thing real strength training and what i think it is is people don't understand what that should feel like that should feel like you go went to lift the weight and you were almost at that point of failure not to the point of bad technique that would get you injured but that point of like your you know your ability to pr uh, put productive application of force to that movement is gone the tank is empty from a strength perspective and I, and I think it's the lack of knowledge and and familiarity with it which is why I know we try to like I don't want to say a goat but like uh, you know there was a I used it on the last podcast we talked about strength there has been clients who have been like 
And they have a weight there. And I'm like, what are you doing today? Are you going for more strength or conditioning? And they'll respond strength. I'm like, no, you're not. Not right. at that weight because right. I know you can knock out 15, 20 reps with that thing. Yeah, but it, it feels heavy. That That's not how you strength train. You can't do it because it feels heavy. It actually has to be heavy. And to be heavy means you cannot lift it at a certain point. And I think that's where you know a lot of people default to conditioning because it's a much more familiar dose response. Yeah. They know what that feels like to be completely exhausted. And that does have an endorphin drip. You get some good mm-hmm. melatonin and you feel great melatonin, serotonin, and you <laughs> melatonin makes you sleepy. Um, <laughs> fell asleep before I got out of the building. <laughs> but you have that great, you know, uh, chemical drip that happens and it's it's satisfactory. But then you leave, they're like, oh, I could have gone heavier. And I, I would always say it's better to maybe go on a little bit lighter to live the lift another day right. versus maybe make a mistake. But that's what we're here for. That's, you know, to ensure that you're not going to get injured. We'll never let you throw a barbell or dumbbell or a kettlebell up. That looks janky as hell. Right. Yeah. yeah. With, um, with this too, I think also the concept of like of speed. So like, I think when I think of the speeds that everybody goes, you know, in the, in the, I think I used that uh, that Ricky Bobby quote in the in the blog that we did, right? America is all about speed, hot, nasty, badass speed, right? Eleanor Roosevelt uh, said that, if you, if you didn't yes. know. Um, Eleanor uh, Roosevelt from Ricky Bobby. From Ricky got Bobby. It, from Talladega <laughs> But with that is we, we only see it on sprint days, like for the most part, where people literally go to that next level RPM and just fucking empty the tank. That is the, obviously in our sprint classes. That is the speed you need to go out, and they're mm-hmm. purposely designed so you can do that. Like the reason Deuce puts certain movements together, he knows the RPM cycle of those reps, and they actually allow you to go fast versus something else. Um, the thing that I think most people kind of and builds, uh, especially because grinds, we do want you to kind of be dialed down pace wise. We want you to the nice steady pace, but on builds, there are certain elements, you know, if you had, uh, thrusters at tempo and you decided to go heavy and you had burpees and you had the erg, you could really open it up on the erg, you know, kind of like we've talked about red light, green light, you know, green light on the erg, right? Red light on the thruster. Cause it's got a three second tempo at the bottom, three second hold overhead. And then you could green light it again on the burpee and really pick it up again. Do you find people kind of just get comfortable in a in one set pace, like a yellow pace, like just kind of like nice and steady? And it's just like, yeah, I'm just tired. And this is just where I feel comfortable. Yeah. Do you think it's yeah. a mechanism of like of like the workout actually for like they the just red can't... green yellow doesn't make sense to me on this one. But, so, so green that's what Isaac would be yeah. fast. But so when you say, yeah, red like, would be go. But like yellow would be what I think of as a tempoed thruster. I'm not stop like rest. Red to me would be I'm standing, not doing anything. It's I'm almost resting. like you're a literalist. Like <laughs> things I say, you think like, so literally. Weird. Sense. Anyway, but the concept I think you're going is it because you're colorblind. No, I am no. not colorblind. Good. I have 2015 vision. So is that good? Yeah. Wow. <laughs> that means like if I'm standing, if we you're standing wear, 20 feet away. I think we still wear the same blue light glasses. So we sure do. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. really, what does it mean at the end of the day? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> back uh, to what your was inab- the question? Go back. <laughs> do you think people do this? The like kind of a steady pace throughout and not really spike to mm. speed. The whole purpose of that part of the, the Eleanor Roosevelt quote was there are points in a workout where if you want conditioning, you have to spike your speed. You have got to put it down and they do it easily in sprints. Because we've built that workout around it. However, in the build workouts, there are definitely elements when you're on the erg or another body weight or more conditioning-based movement that you could pick that pace up. Why do you think people kind of more stream, like steady state their pace 
a, what I call the yellow light right. in those workouts. I'm going to go to Deuce because this is just not connecting. No, I had an answer. Go for it. Thank you. <laughs> My not, your time's up. Your two minutes is up. This is an open discussion. <laughs> it's open discussion time. Um, my answer there is I don't think people know to do that. And that, I think, would fall more on us. I don't think we talk about that in class of when you're on there, go. I think it's more of going the same, like, at a steady pace so that they can come off and, like, go straight to their barbell. Like, are we, like, if I'm doing the workout, am I going to not get yelled at, but am I going to get a hard time if Deuce is my coach if I sprinted on the erg and then I have to take extra rest before I pick up my barbell? No, because yeah. again, like if we're, if again, if your priority is going for conditioning, mm-hmm. you should probably open up when you can. Because yeah. you can only if it's a tempo movement coming up, you can only go so fast. There's a speed limit, right? There, right. You know. So I think that that would partly be my one of my answers. There is that just not knowing to do that if that's what their goal is. What so good thing we have this podcast. So your your point of tempo on the barbell, real quick. Um, before we were talking about going fast. But I think one thing to think about in this is the tempos that are prescribed, like if we're thinking, let's say it's a front squat, and let's say it's like three seconds down, three seconds up. Your goal should be three seconds down, three seconds up, and zero seconds at the top. Mm-hmm. So as soon as you open your hips, you're right back down to the next one. That's a good way to approach this with more of a conditioning bias on tempo work. Not adding extra, your own right. built-in tempo yeah. of a rest. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. So you're just constantly under tension. You're constantly moving. So even on those tempo weights or those tempo lifts, we can still get a little conditioning work there. Sure. Um, But as far as why do I think some people just stay in the yellow, I think it's just lack of familiarity with how different paces feel. Yeah. I think you just get used to going at the same pace and not pushing yourself either faster and out of that comfort zone or on the other hand, like a grind and slowing down early on Mm -hmm. and controlling your pace. And I think that that's even some on the on the sprints um, that I think that there are some people who who don't know how to turn that all the way up yet. Sure. And still their their sprint pace is similar to their build pace. Yeah. Um, but that's just learning it, it's figuring a, it yeah, out. It's what I always looked at is automatic transmissions versus manual. And if someone experienced, so if you're if you're newer to fitness in general, then you're probably on an automatic transition where your body is going to just kind of regulate you to where you're going to have kind of one pace. You're going to kind of be yellow. Even if the coach yells sprint, it's not an all-out sprint. You don't feel like Usain Bolt, right? You still just feel like you're going a nice steady pace. The bigger your training age or how long you've been doing fitness, you now have more of a manual transmission. You can punch it on a movement that you do really well, yeah. right? If you're really good at burpees and you know when it's burpee time, you're going to punch that. Like I always think uh, JT O'Rourke, uh, when he does a sprint class, there's certain movements that kid moves crazy efficiently so and quick at. He's so fast and he know you can see him in the workout. You can see him kind of getting ready for it, ready for it. And as soon as he hits that movement, he's really efficient at, he punches it really hard because he knows that's where I'm going to make my money in this workout. That's where I'm really going to hit that redlining conditioning type scenario. So I think also that that kind of are you on more of an automatic uh, you know transmission now you're still trying to learn your pacing, get your fitness built up and then if you already have a good base there, you really want to play with shifting gears. Down, you know, downshift when you need to slow down to that tempo and hopefully don't like do said take extra time at, at spots that there is not a prescribed tempo for and you know go faster on the pieces that you know you can chew up and and go quicker. So it does look again to go back to that that red light, green light. You can see the speed change in somebody as they go movement to movement. We in agreement, Sarah Isaac? 
on everything except for red and green. (laughs) No more red and green light uh, (laughs) scenario. Um, The other thing we talked about is on the ergs, switching up the ergs. So let's talk about our lonely friends, the The skiers. skiers. (laughs) Poor guys. Sent you guys. Nikki Hanton this morning was like, I don't think I've been on the ski erg since I came back after all this. I was like, dude, you're not the only one. Right? Don't worry. Yeah. So the ski ergs are the redheaded stepchildren mm-hmm. in the erg family right now. Nobody wants to acknowledge their existence. And if they get stuck on them, they're like, ah, I just, they definitely registered late for class. Yeah. Yeah. Um, there are some people even on, you know, we had this really heavy arm, tricep, bicep kind of workout, and then some people got on the skier, and other people look at them like they have three heads, like, what's wrong right. with you? Why? That was me. I looked at them like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. for sure. Like, did you know? Like, yeah. you want to like, change? You, you want to switch. There's a spot up there. Now, the skier, I like it. I think it's a great strength training. We talked about this in the podcast for the strength yeah. stuff. I think it's a, that's a, definitely a tool if you want a better upper body strength. The skier will get you there. Mm-hmm. Um, even though it's a it's an erg, it's a conditioning tool, traditional, uh, you know, manually. Um, but when put together with somebody who doesn't have a ton of upper body strength, the ski erg's great. But switching up the ergs is important because if you're always on the one thing that you can go fast on, there's definitely your your conditioning, your chat, you're not really challenging your conditioning. Yeah, agreed. Um, I think another note is regardless of the erg you're on, except like maybe the runner. I mean, I guess the runner you could pay attention to your actual pace. But I mean like as you far mean like as a mile pace, like what yeah, you typically yeah, yeah. run at. Yeah, okay. But as far as the rower, the skier and the bike, pay more attention to like your RPMs or your strokes a minute. Talk about that. So on the monitor when you're looking at this, when you're looking at the monitor on any of the Concept Two products, we're talking the ski, the bike, or the rower. You generally have a couple pieces of data. Everyone's always looking at the calories, right? If you right. prescribe calories or meters for the workout yeah. talk about the um the strokes per minute and the RPM. Yeah, so I mean they're in I want to say top right corner, top left. I don't know, one of the top corners. Um, you'll see them pop up in there, and obviously they're going to be different depending on what machine you're on. So bikes think like seventy to ninety RPM, um, but like the rower is the big one for me. The rower and the ski erg, like the rower, if you are pulling over forty strokes a minute, you're going like way too fast. You're being extremely inefficient. Yeah. Like there's no reason you should be, unless it's an absolute sprint. And for clarification, the bikes are the only ones that have RPMs, revolutions right. per minute. And then the ski and the rower are the only two they actually have. You'll see an S divide division sign M strokes per minute. Yeah. So just for everyone, just for that, you know, if they're on one and they don't see RPM when they get on the, the rower, that's why. Yeah. And I think especially on the skier. Because I think a lot of time it's tough for people to find, like on the rower you hear this kind of like a, a one to two work to rest, so like a one count pull, so to speak, and two counts back in. And I think a lot of times on the ski erg, it's hard for people to find that. It's just as soon as my arm goes down, I'm right back up and I'm going again and I'm going again. And you're going 50 strokes a minute. And before you know it, you're 30 seconds in and your triceps are fried and your lats are exhausted. That literally needs to be our next movement service announcement. Like that two to one, exactly what you were just breaking down. That definitely needs to be our next one. That's just good ideas. That's what I do. <laughs> just so those of you guys again, you're looking. <laughs> Look at that. <laughs> if you're looking to hack more conditioning your workout, again, think of the erg you're selecting. Number one, switch that erg up. You're generally always going to gravitate towards the erg that you're better at, or you yeah. might be gaming the workout. Let's say it's a heavy leg day. You might 
get away from the bike because we yeah. know the leg, and which is fine. Like gaming that part, yeah. I'm okay with. Uh, just making sure you're switching up the erg and give our friend the ski erg on the back end a little bit of love. Yeah. Right, get those triceps stronger, and then the damper setting. So talk about the damper setting then, Deuce. Yeah, Deuce. the damper setting. Um, you know, in the, our strength focused podcast, we talked more about raising that damper up. And so getting more of a, you know, a strength workout out of just that erg. Um, but this is on the complete opposite. So lower the damper setting. Um, I tell people to start at five. And if anything, like if you're going to focus more on staying steady through that erg, maybe a little bit lower. Yeah. No, I agree. And as the workout goes on, it's okay to keep dinging that damper setting yeah. down a few strokes, down a few ticks as your fatigue kicks in and you're not able to move as fast as you wanted to. That, that erg the resistance of that erg will can change with you instantly, just yeah. kind of like a ring row, how you could walk further back or further in instantly to accommodate your fatigue level. You can do the same thing with the damper. Yeah, and don't be afraid to, to play around with it. You know, start at a five, the next round, put it at an eight, see how it feels. Yep. The next round, go down to a three, see how that feels. Yeah. Um, and it's not going to be the same every single workout. Like if you're sprinting, your damper should not be lower than a five. Um, but at the same time, if I'm going to go out here and – you know, let's say I'm 140 pounds and I'm going to row 20 calories. I probably don't want to be on a damper setting of 10. Yeah. That's going to be extremely exhausting. Yeah. And it'll be a, a quick self-realization experiment. You'll do it for one round. You'll be like, oh shit, I need to change that. Yeah. So let's move on to the, you know, if I want to prioritize conditioning and the class is lift and move and I'm all about that move, but then what do I do during the lift? So Isaac, what would you tell someone who wants to prioritize conditioning in their class? And what would you tell them to do during the lift portion? find their working weight, figure out what their weight is going to be that they can manage throughout the entire workout. So it's, it's, it is a lifting portion, mm -hmm. but it's not a lifting for the purposes of let's see how much stronger we can get today. It's more or less finding a weight that I like to use the term manhandle. Yeah. Yep. That you is can that do. Even I mean, can I, can, is that a, can I use that term in a me too culture? Can I say manhandle? Yeah. Okay. You're the one I check with on these things. <laughs> You're my PC, uh, you know, spot. I don't think there's anything <laughs> non-PC about that. Okay, good. Yeah. Perfect. Um, so I'll let you know if yeah, I do. We'll get some input on this. So a yeah. weight that you can manhandle and throw around like a rag doll. Yeah. Oh, look, I just got a text from Jamie. <laughs> <laughs> just kidding. Jamie says not okay. Um, uh, yeah, no, a weight that you can that you can handle. Because, I mean, oftentimes in the workout it or in the lift, it's like we do four reps and then in the workouts at eight or something. That Yeah, like you are spending that time to figure out, like, I can – this if four reps was stupid easy. You might want to think about adding a little bit more to it, but something that you know that you can continue to use. And then sometimes that means in the lift going a little bit heavier to know, heck no, that was not right. I need sure. to bring it back down. Yeah. I like, cause I like in the lift for people who are focusing on conditioning, they can pick that way to get, all right, I think this is the weight. And then over the course of those sets, they will get a little fatigued and yeah. they'll be able to feel like, okay, this is exactly how I want it to feel. Cause the set one and two, I'm still pretty, sh yeah. you know, fresh, maybe three, four, five is where right. I really get a feel for how that weight's going to feel in the actual move portion. Yeah. I mean, what do you think, what, what would you say to people who, um, there's five sets of the lift portion? And they put the weight on in the first set, and then they just stay there the whole time. Again, if they're if that's the like if you're going with your strategy, they're mm -hmm. looking to find a working weight. Cool. Now they're just practicing with it, and they're probably at that point looking maybe looking for a little bit more efficiency and mechanics. So yeah. they've already checked the box. I know what weight I'm going to do. I don't look at the rest of those sets like oh it's boring. I'm just lifting this same weight. Now you've already checked the box. You have figured out the weight. 
You're, uh, you're you've read the last chapter of the book. Now it's more of a technique yeah. and a form and efficiency. See, I thing. don't think that they have been right. like that. They can fully check that box, knowing like, okay, my first set, I know what I'm going to do. Got it. Here. So what you're saying I'm is, I'm saying is, try. Yeah. Heck no, bring it back down. Like you got to like I you got to find what you can't do. Sure. Like when you pick it up and you try four reps and that fourth was a little janky, you know that you need to come back down. Yeah. So I yeah. think that. I personally don't think that anybody should be finding that weight in their first set. Don't marry your first boyfriend. Yeah, hundred yeah, percent. Go right. out, sleep around a little, try some different right. weights, and then yeah. and then if it was meant to be, come back to it. Right. Okay. Cool. I think that I think we wrapped that that part up really I well. Completely agree. Really well. Yeah. And that <laughs> in regards to that, in make you know the other point is for conditioning, realizing we talked about this kind of using your lifting portion to find efficiency in the movement, mm -hmm. because going fast is one of the reasons we created the program we did. We could look at other models, CrossFit like models, HIT like models, where the emphasis is go fast, go fast, go fast, and then we all know like the the taboo and the stereotype of what that creates is this horrible mechanical failure bad technique injury ridden fitness program so i like one of my favorite things to say is move smooth not fast because if you go to aim for fast i promise you the technique's going to fall off you're going to miss the tempo on the rep whatever it may be like negative things happen on fast but going smooth as long as you're smooth every rep is efficient utilizing each second and each position of your body well mm -hmm. you're going to get done faster than probably the next person who is less smooth what do you think, like, because people come in the first time, we might give them that torpedo, and they might be wielding that torpedo, manhandling that torpedo around, and it looks pretty good, and then they switch to the barbell the first time. You know, they graduate from torpedo barbell, and then it's not as efficient, right? It's a new tool. What would you say to someone who wants conditioning workout, and they're still working to kind of find their way with a, with a barbell or a kettlebell or any of the, the pieces of equipment we have in here? I would encourage them to utilize that barbell on that lift portion. And then when it's done, grab a torpedo. That way, yeah. the, in the in the time that we can really focus on conditioning, now we have that that implement that you're able to move efficiently. Yeah. And so there's times that we're you know can't really drive that conditioning fact home. Take that time to work on your technique. Yeah. Use the barbell. Yeah, I mean, I, I the purpose of coming to class is to get a workout in. So if they're yeah. going to spend more time thinking about how to do something with the barbell or just staring at it because they don't know what to do with it, then they shouldn't be using that. Use the uh, use the lift portion to get to get used yeah. to it, to get some practice in, and then go to that torpedo. Yeah. And during the lift portion, it. you're obviously able to have a way easier conversation yeah. with the coach during that piece than you are in the moving. Yeah. It's right? definitely a much lower stress environment. 100%. Right. Yeah. 100%. Now, I, I think those are all really good points. And then I think, you know, the last one that we'll hit on, and we're not going to deep dive into this because this is not, we've, uh, we started outsourcing this several years ago, but treating your body like a race car, don't piss in the gas tank type scenario. Going fast let me put it this way. I see people move. I see people, if they're like coming in for a conditioning biased workout on a Monday, probably the day they're moving with the least amount of speed and efficiency, right? They're maybe groggy. They, they crushed weight, you know, maybe bad diet and weekend activities and mm -hmm. things like that. Lifting heavy, you'll always hear this. Like someone like had a, you know, Deuce is going to, Deuce lives this. He had maybe a crappy dinner, ate Taco Bell, Chipotle, whatever it is. He comes the next day carb loaded and he's like, I, I could definitely probably lift stronger today than I could had I eaten a good healthy meal. But ask him to do 20 burpees in a conditioning type format and he's going to want to kill himself. I mean, five years ago, I would crush gas station pizza and then do 100 burpees so whatever <laughs> but you know life comes ago, at man. you fast you <laughs> sure know <does. laughs>
<laughs> Not so, anymore. <laughs> so those of you guys with the conditioning on it, obviously conditioning, you know, maybe originally you thought of cardio. Hopefully we've restructured that in your mind, right? You're thinking more of conditioning, this mix and blend of resistance training and cardio. And then you're generally looking at, you probably originally went to cardio because you thought of this concept of burning fat, getting leaner, whatever it is. It's generally weight loss. That's why people chase cardio. The majority of that, even with everything we talked about, you could hack these workouts for conditioning all day long. But these workouts, no workout is good enough to outchase, you know, your obsession with insomnia cookies at fucking 11 p.m. on a Wednesday, which are delicious. Are they you, good? No, I haven't been there. You ha- you've not ordered insomnia cookies yet? No. That seems very, I know, you're shocked. I, I'm very shocked. <laughs> I am too. <laughs> we need to have them on the podcast. I, yeah. yeah. Only if They're they bring cookies. They're not what? They're not like a local Charlotte thing. No, but they deliver cookies. You just like, like cookies. Yeah, I just love the Got idea it. of them. We can fly them in on the Urban Movement jet. Oh, yeah, good call. Good call. <laughs> so with that, with the nutrition side, you know, if you listen to the podcast we did last week with Project Lee Nation, again, I, I would highly recommend if your goal is conditioning these workouts because you have a body aesthetic um, objective, head over to the people over Project Lee Nation. Tell them you remember at Urban Movement. You'll be able to utilize the in-body scanner for free. It'll do a seven-site electronic impedance body fat test. They'll give you an awesome printout. Bring us that printout. And we're also currently right now doing goal-setting appointments. So those goal-setting appointments, we do these every quarter. You can book an appointment with a coach. We'd spend about a 15, 20-minute conversation talking about you and what those goals are. And again, if you're conditioning-minded because you just want performance, you want to be able to run a half marathon, or because you want to lose 20 pounds, I cannot recommend enough. Think about what we've said today in the podcast. Go to Project Lee Nation, get the body fat. I'm not even telling you to buy their meals. I think you should totally do that if you're trying to save yourself some time, but you don't have to at all. But use the free in-body and then book a goal-setting appointment with us and tell us, this is why I come here. I come here because I want to do A, B, or C. And then we're able to take these kind of generic uh, recommendations we're giving to all you guys via podcast and blogs and give you something so specific to you that every day you come in while you're in a group setting, you still feel like you're tackling your own workout. We agree. Did I wrap that up well? Concurred. Yeah. Awesome. Great. Glad I did my job. Guys, thank you so much for listening. Until the next podcast, we will see you in class and have a great rest of your day.